welcome to the Life Cycle Lady Podcast, the place to be to talk about all that we wonder, whisper, and wish we knew about our bodies, hormones, and life cycle changes. In this space, I offer vulnerability, wisdom, connection, and helpful transformational mind-body-spirit tools. Please join me as I take the stigma out, stop the whisper, and speak out loud. Hi, everyone. I hope that you've been enjoying me having guests on as much as I've had talking to them. Um, And today I'm going to kind of continue that. Of course, I'm going to go back and forth between just having me on and then having some guests on sometimes um, because I'm having a lot of fun talking to people and collaborating. Um, So today I'm going to be talking to Zara Haji. Zara is also known as the yoga goddess. She created the first online fertility yoga and meditation program, which is practiced by women in over 25 countries. The Moon Goddess Cycle Harmonizing Fertility Enhancing Practice has helped over 50% of her clients conceive. Zara is also a registered psychotherapist and women's reproductive health and fertility coach, helping women address the often left out psychological and emotional impacts of infertility. And as always, if you want to learn more about my guest and about Zara, um, go check out the bio in the podcast, or you can find her at yogagoddess.ca. All right. Hi, Zara. It's so good to have you on. Thank you so much. Um, so one of the things that really fascinated me about you when I first was looking at your website is you have a really big background and like an array of hats. You, you actually wear a lot of hats that I I desire as well. <laughs> um, so you're a yoga teacher, you're a therapist, and you're a fertility coach. And I'm wondering if you can tell us how all of those kind of weave together to serve women. Like, how, how does that look? Sure. Okay. Um, so what I find, like when I first started working with women specifically, who are trying to conceive, um, I found that a lot of times what was being left out of the conversation was the emotional toll that women, or if she's had miscarriages um, or any other kinds of reproductive health challenges, there's this big... Um, it's a very it's very sensitive for a woman uh what we feel like we're biologically you know designed to to be able to do and then when that is not going the way we expect it to go um and feel that it should go because you know our bodies are made to have babies and have regular periods um and when that doesn't happen it really causes a lot of uh, stress, but also shame, mm. and really impacts uh, a woman's sense of herself, um, and kind of strikes at the heart of her her self esteem and sense of like who she is as a woman. Yeah. And when I first started um, focusing on women's reproductive health. My intention was not to work with fertility, but to work with women's cycles. And I know you're really familiar with that. Um, 
because I was fascinated by the idea or the the wisdom that you know that I hadn't heard of until 2008 or seven when I first started um, studying women's uh, like yoga in relationship to women's bodies and cycles, uh, prenatal and postnatal. Mm-hmm. That I found out that our cycles actually mirror the phases of the moon and the seasons of the earth, and uh, and how our our entire ovulatory cycle, um, so pre-ovulation, ovulation, premenstruation, and menstruation, how it actually um, works in tune with, with the moon and the seasons. And that's what I was fascinated by. I really mm-hmm. wanted to work with women and, and change their relationship with their menstrual cycles yeah. to, into one of more you know, positive regard and kind of like working together um, and and sort of receiving like kind of being guided and getting the gifts out of it, but yeah. that was over ten years ago, and clearly I was way ahead of the curve <laughs> by at least ten years because nobody was really as fascinated I, as I was around mm-hmm. menstrual cycles and the moon. Yeah, um, and that's how the fertility kind of just came because so many women who are trying to conceive were coming to my classes when I was mm-hmm. exclusively teaching uh, fertility yoga back then, like fertility yoga in, in sync with the moon. And uh, uh, the practice is called Moon Goddess. And then later when I started to work one-on-one with women and I was sort of confronted by these big, huge emotional challenges like years of infertility or a recurrent pregnancy loss, um, it really struck me as like I didn't have the capacity at which to hold someone who's going through a big emotional crisis mm-hmm. um, as it takes, uh, as opposed to just doing, um, like only focusing on the mind and body. I felt like I needed more skills. So I did further training in psychotherapy um, because I really wanted to be able to hold a strong container for someone who's it's essentially trauma that you, you're going yeah. through. Yeah. Um, and infertility, a diagnosis of infertility has actually, uh, they've done studies uh, where a woman's emotional response, like the way she experiences a diagnosis of infertility, mm-hmm. is second to a cancer diagnosis mm-hmm. in terms of the level of impact of stress that it, that it, the way it impacts. So just taking that into account, and if one out of six couples are having challenges of getting pregnant, that's a really huge percentage of the population that's going mm-hmm. through uh, stress and uh, emotional kind of struggles that they never would have expected, right? You, you can't foresee this kind of thing. Um, and so from, like, as an as part of my coaching and realizing that I wanted to be able to hold more skillful space, I went further and did the psychotherapy um, uh, training. And my specialization is in trauma therapy mm-hmm. uh, because I really do see uh, infertility and pregnancy loss as traumatic life events in a woman's and in a couple's life, actually. Yeah, it's it's interesting. The conversation has really shifted. Like when I look at all the people I'm kind of interested in right now, the conversation is really opening around 
well, cycles in general, right? There's a lot of people, even business people are talking about women's cycles and harnessing our cycles, but also the conversation has really turned to nervous system regulation and trauma and how incredibly impactful those are on our lives. I use, like you said, I use the gift of the cycle to talk to me about, you know, and that's what I help women with, to talk to them about their nervous system, to talk to them about maybe traumas that are coming up and things like that in that like premenstrual phase when we think we're crazy, right? Yep. Um, but it's really interesting to, to tie that into fertility. I'd never heard that statistic, right? That, that they're, it's like up on par with cancer. As a midwife, I often work with women who are pregnant, right? There's right. very few women that come to me prior to pregnancy and then way less women that would ever, ever think to come to me for any sort of infertility. You just go to a midwife if you're, if you're pregnant. Right. So mm -hmm. um, it's such a huge conversation. All of those things, infertility, trauma, nervous system, and then our cycles, because so many of us are, you know, my big focus is with perimenopausal women. And so one of the things, and, and I would say that women are in perimenopause starting at 35, right? That's kind of the beginning of it. Mm -hmm. uh, and part of this conversation is, is infertility, right? So many women are like, well, I, what are you telling me? I'm in perimenopause at 35 or 40, but I, like, I just want to now start my life of, of having babies. And so... Yeah. Um, I'm wondering, knowing that population and knowing, knowing women and, and that are experiencing infertility, how, how are you getting them more connected with their emotions, with that shame and with their cycles, um, to help them kind of, you know, just to help them, I guess, mm -hmm. whether that's help um, them just emotionally or help them actually conceive, right? Those are two different things or kind of one and the same and at the same time. Well, they go hand in hand. Yeah. And the way I talk about it is the heart womb connection. Mm. So, so many women who've experienced the heartbreaking loss of losing a child, yeah. losing a pregnancy at whatever stage is still losing a child. And, um, or has had years of never getting pregnant and potentially having done rounds of IVF or IUI, uh, you know, intercourse, like all the trying um, over years and years and never having gotten pregnant. In both instances, um, it can be experienced as trauma in the nervous system and in a woman's psyche. Um, and that kind of heartache, uh, because it does translate into heartbreak, um, it directly impacts the communication from a Chinese medicine perspective. Um, it's called the um, uterine vessel, the heart-womb connection, and that that particular energetic connection can get blocked off based on um, years of sadness, like holding a grief basically held in the system. So my approach uh, very specifically when I work with like I have a program called Moon Goddess. It's a fertility yoga program. And it basically addresses that heart-womb connection. Um, and the focus is about reestablishing healthy cycles. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, also helping women to take the focus off of uh, ovulation as, okay, now I have to mm -hmm. like get into gear and start trying. 
or the focus of, oh, I have my period and now I failed. So that disappointment. So we take the focus off of just those two um, parts of the cycle and expand the vision to the entire cycle. And as you know through your work, um, you know, we have so, so much to um, connect with in terms of to ourselves when we start to understand and work with the rhythm of our cycle. So that's really my focus with the Moon Goddess program is to take the focus off just ovulation as the time, the window of trying to conceive and then, you know, the sadness that comes when your period comes and to start to actually experience your menstrual cycle as um, kind of like a navigational tool, like a map Mm -hmm. for who you are as a woman, uh, how your emotions ebb and flow Mm -hmm. from different, from each phase to the next and how to work with the different emotional experiences and physical experiences of your cycle so that a you can be more well equipped to meet your own needs because you kind you know about them you you have a clear understanding of what's happening inside of you when and why and also it's a really helpful thing to be able to communicate with your partner mm-hmm. uh, so once you know what your needs are you're able to express them more clearly and then you're more apt to getting your needs met when you can communicate what you need and also, it really diminishes the stress uh, on, on trying to get pregnant uh, by just only focusing on the window of trying and then the anticipation of will it, will it be positive or negative. It really starts to uh, expand how a woman relates to herself and her cycle, which is so important uh, if the, there's only this, if up until now there's only been this binary relationship of um, you know, opportunity and failure. Uh, if we have that kind of setup, it's, you know, it, it doesn't feel good. And we really want to have an experience of the womb and the menstrual cycle from a much more positive place, especially if you're 35 and over and never, mm-hmm. you know, never felt good about your period or never really up until now even cared about your cycle or your womb. And so one of the analogies I use is, you know, a lot of women were falsely educated, you know, when they started their periods that, oh my God, every time I have sex, I'm going to get pregnant, could possibly get pregnant. Mm -hmm. So we go on the pill and we can go on the pill for a variety of different reasons, PCOS, um, painful periods, too heavy periods, so many reasons doctors put women on the pill without really, um, really educating women on what that's doing to their hormones um, and the way their their entire endocrine system works. But let's say you've been on the pill for 15 years or 10 years or 5 years or whatever it is, and now you've decided at 35 or 40 that you want to get pregnant. Well, you have to keep in mind that your body hasn't ovulated in all those years um, and your uterus hasn't, you know, had a, a proper... Uh, buildup of the uterine lining or shedding of the uterine lining. None of those activities have been happening. So it's like a reboot of your entire cycle. And if you haven't, like let's say you haven't talked to someone, your college roommate, you haven't talked to her for the last 15 years, you wouldn't expect her to call you and say, hey, 
um, I'm moving and I need someone to come and help me move. Would you come help me move? Mm-hmm. Right? You don't expect someone after 15 years to pick up the phone and ask you for a big favor because the likelihood of you saying yes is really small. And I feel like the same is true with your if you haven't had a relationship with your womb or your menstrual cycle for all these years, and then when you start to con- trying to conceive, you're faced with all potentially all these difficulties, I really feel like the first place of reconciliation and repair needs to be with your relationship with your cycle. And finding out what that relationship is even about and how do you relate to your womb and how could you relate to your womb from a more healthy and kinder, gentler, more loving uh, place than just, oh, my body is broken and, it, and I'm not, you know, my body can't do this or I'm disappointed or I'm a failure or whatever the internal, um, you know, uh, negative tape loop that's playing inside your head, uh, which is not, you know, to say that those are not, awful experiences that would have led you there, but we need to do the work of repair and healing. So for me, uh, the starting point really is the menstrual cycle. Yeah, you know, one of the images that kept coming to my mind when you were, were speaking is just like this image of getting out of our heads, right? Oftentimes, and especially in, in, in fertility cases, we can get really in our heads, like really focused on that ovulation and really focused on the, the goals and the results. And then we don't drop into that conversation and that connection. Yeah. And so really like getting into that conversation as a way, as a way to that connection, right? Yeah. Not... And like really not, of course, your goal or said you want the baby. I, I understand that wholeheartedly. I, I don't want to diminish that in any way. But I think that in society, we can go in that so much go, 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 goal-oriented, goal-oriented. We've lost touch with that cycle and how the cycle and that communication and that whole experience is a way in. And that, it's so beautifully said, Julie. And that our and our hormones aren't broken, right? For the vast, for many, many women, not every woman, but for many, many women who are experiencing infertility, their hormones fluctuate so much, yes. especially in relation to stress, right? That's where you see those women there. I stopped feeling stressful. They told me I couldn't get pregnant or I reached out to a surrogate and then I got pregnant. You take away the stress, you completely change the biochemical nature of the inside. So I love what you're doing, like having that connection be, be the first place where they look. Yeah, yeah. And what you said is so key because you can't get pregnant in your head. You can, you no. can get pregnant in your body, and, <laughs> right? So you have to have a relationship with yes. your body and your womb is specifically the organ that's going to get you pregnant. And if you have no relationship with your womb or you have a really like, um, it's a painful or, or um, hurtful traumatic relationship mm-hmm. with your womb, that, that communication, that dialogue is so essential in healing that heart womb connection um, that it's only nat- the naturally the place where you want to start. Um, so I, I just love the way you put that. Yeah, I, I, I love the way you can't get pregnant in your head. That's amazing. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and yet you're right. Like all the stress hormones that are produced, they really interrupt your endocrine system's um, um, 
functioning. Um, and reproduction is the first system that gets shut off mm-hmm. when the flight and fight response of the body is activated. So we really, and you know, that's where the yoga and the meditation becomes so, so important to regulate the stress response um, in the body and to get the endocrine system uh, working online and getting your cycles regular and getting your hormones more balanced. And so the yoga program that I work with specifically targets the pituitary gland. So I work with a specific kind of yoga called kundalini yoga, mm-hmm. um, which is very a very powerful, let's say, like the way it the way it activates the brain and the body. Uh, it gives that that sort of like um, how do I want to say it? like direction to the brain to put the like the pituitary gland specifically to get the hormones uh, working in a balanced way, which is really essential. Obviously, when we when we were trying to get pregnant, we need to have the right biochemical, like the chemistry and the menstrual cycle. Um, and also it really does improve the lining of the uterus and the, the health of our eggs and the ovaries. All of these pieces are really important when we're trying to conceive. Um, and especially for women, you know, over 35 and into their 40s, um, when when the hormonal balance becomes, you know, even more delicate and important to be cared for. Yeah. Um, it's it's such essential to me. It's just like a no-brainer. Such essential work. This connection piece. Um, because there's very rarely a woman that I come across that has this sort of connection and communication with her cycle, right? Because from the very beginning, which is why I work with also girls in puberty, but from the very beginning, we, we don't give any value to the menstrual cycle. We call it all these names. We don't even tell girls very much about it at all. Um, and then we live in a society that doesn't honor cycles. So like doing this work to me is when people say, what you think that, you know, I'm gonna do all this connection and it's gonna solve, like, I don't believe you kind of, I want the doctor to, to give me the pill, right? Yeah. Like, but, but what you don't understand is there's a lot of trauma, right? There's even trauma just in the conversation of turning on the menstrual cycle from a very young age. Like there's embarrassment, yeah. there's shame, there's, or just ignoring, ignoring of the conversation. If you have a kid and you always ignore them, they're gonna grow up with a lot of trauma. Like that is, yeah. you're ignoring your body cycle from the get-go. So of course we have, in my view, of course, we have so many, one in seven women have polycystic ovarian syndrome. All these women are having endometriosis. All these women having infertility. It is, it is so apparent because we've lost that conversation. It, it, it's not there. And of course, yeah. that's trauma. You know, Julie, I never made that connection until you just said it that way that you just said it. Uh, because neglect is actually more impactful on the child's development than in fact trauma traumatic injury itself mm-hmm. it's even a more uh the impact of neglect is even more than physical assault yeah so just the fact that we we ignore 
and and then there's the element of shame. So I, I have an ebook called Fertility Secrets of the Female Body, um, and that's the very first question I address: is how were you first intro- introduced? How were you first initiated into womanhood? What? How was your menstrual cycle? Um, the first period that you got, you know, was it shame and embarrassment that initiated you into womanhood? Was there any celebration? Uh, because some women have the good fortune of, of having um, that, you know, positive initiation into womanhood. But, you know, by far the majority, you know, I would say, like, truthfully, like, 99%. Yes, exactly. Either you're, you were handed a box of pads or tampons and kind of told the cursory, this is what you do, um, and, you know, that's it. So there's kind of like this functional, here you go, but there is no honoring of the menstrual cycle and like, wow, you're making this big transition into womanhood. And women themselves don't necessarily have the tools in, in, in because they weren't honored or initiated into womanhood with any kind of real sense of sacredness. Um, they don't know how to bring their daughters into their womanhood uh, and so many girls start when they're like 10. Uh, just the other day, my girlfriend called me in a panic saying, oh, my God, my, you know, Mila got her period. And I'm excited and celebrating. She's crying. So, you know, there's a sense that we ourselves, like there's generational, yeah. so much generational trauma around the neglect and shame around and like the hiding and secrecy around women's periods. Um, which is really changing now. I'm happy to say that 10 years ago, nobody was having this conversation. And now so many, so many of us are having this conversation. And I have to say, Julie, like my number one, how women find me now on the internet is because women are actively Googling periods and full moon. Um, Yeah. And that's my number one blog post. And so girls in their 20s, are really tuned in to what's happening with the moon and their periods. This was not the case, you know, 12 years ago. So now I have this whole new population of women that I work with who, you know, are mentoring with me because they want to learn and be more, like they see all of their aunts and, you know, older cousins who are struggling with infertility. This is like really widespread uh, and girls are curious and want to know, uh, you know, I'm saying young women and calling them girls <laughs> in their 20s, uh, are actively, like, searching uh, for how to have a different kind of relationship, which I think is really exciting. I think it's exciting, too. I've also noticed that there's, like, this big gap, and I don't know where that, I don't know where that came from, but I, I see that a lot, and it makes me, it makes me incredibly happy. Um, for me, for me, my own story was I did my, we had a celebration. I was 10. I didn't know what it was. I showed mom the tissue and she was like, Oh my God, you got your period. And, and then we had a a party. No one still told me what it was or that it was going to come again. Like there wasn't a whole lot of knowledge, but there was a lot of celebration. And I do feel like that was really impactful on my life. I mean, I, I totally think that's part of the reason why I embrace it. Part of the reason why I became a midwife and now why I'm working with women on reclaiming this conversation 
Um, and why I really work with younger girls and moms, right? The puberty class I teach is the moms and daughters because the moms have no conversation. And so honestly, the moms end up learning so much more than the girls. They're like, what? I don't have right? to, don't have to be like that. Yeah. Um, and so it, it's really inspiring to me to try and change this generational conversation. Um, and so that it's, it's not that way. And so that, you know, all of these just natural life cycles that we go through become natural life cycles rather than these big medical events that seem right? to happen to us. Yeah, I so agree. And I'm so excited to hear that that's part of your work. And I definitely want to pass on your contact to my friend. Yes. Mm. How did you get into this work? Mm -hmm. So I... I had an abortion when I was 18, okay. um, and up until then, you know, I had, you know, I was given the box of pads, and that was sort of my introduction to, I also got my period kind of later, I was like 13 or something, by that point, everybody had their period, so I was kind of just waiting, and part of me was like really happy and excited, but a part of me was also like, don't, I don't want my dad to know. I don't want my brother to know. So there was definitely that shame and secrecy element. Yeah. But it was also combined with the excitement and happy I'm part of the club element too. Mm -hmm. And I would say like my period was pretty much a non-event until after I had that abortion. And because of, um, you know, it was a very conflicted experience for me because I was, you know, logically too young to have a child and culturally wouldn't have, you know, it wouldn't have flown in my family. So, in fact, I did it in secrecy. Nobody even knew in my family that I had an abortion. And, and I was really young. I did all of that by myself, and it was a, a very traumatic experience for me. Mm -hmm. um, and after that, I had horrible periods, like really painful. Um, you know, in retrospect, I probably have some scar tissue. Like, there's probably something that... Um, you know, was sort of like a consequence of the DNC. Yeah. Um, but I had really painful periods for a long time. And I also think that that sort of the sorrow and the guilt and, and, and some shame around uh, not being able to keep that baby, which in other circumstances, like maybe in another culture, I would have. Um, but for me, it wasn't a possibility. So in my early 30s, I went back to yoga school and did uh, additional studies and women's studies. And that's when I found out about, like I read Miranda Gray's book, The Red Moon, and mm -hmm. Christiane Northrup's book, Women's Bodies, Women's Wisdom. And from that, we did a research project and I developed this um, program called Moon Goddess because I thought, wow, uh, I, you know, I can't believe women cycle with the phases of the moon and that we have natural cycles of darkness and light and that I'm not psycho, I'm cyclical and it all has to do with my period and I can't believe nobody knows this. And so, you know, I'm like, oh, I never, I thought I was just crazy that a part of the month I felt really exuberant and social and outward and then I just wanted to become a, a recluse and you know, I hated everybody and I was, you know, like short with my temper and I just thought I was crazy. 
Mm-hmm. And that's how we're told, like women are just erratic and unpredictable and PMS is like this, you know, three-headed monster. And then our periods are like this source of like just a nuisance and they come in the way of our like functioning. Like all of these are all the things that we're told yeah. in a cultural societal, societal context. And I was like, this is all garbage and lies. I can't believe it. And so I went on a mission to educate women, um, and that was in my early 30s. Um, and then, you know, it sort of evolved that um, I ended up working more and more with women who were trying to conceive, since those are the women who are more in- most interested in, in their menstrual cycles. Yeah. Um, but now I'm excited to, like, be back, because my problem was the painful periods, and I found that doing the yoga and connecting with my womb and charting my cycle, it all really changed the way my period worked. Like it stopped mm-hmm. being so painful and it stopped being so heavy um, and it stopped being such a pain mm-hmm. <laughs> in general. Like my perception of my period really changed and it became something like sacred and I really felt like, you know, we, we as women are the vessels for humanity. Like, without us, there would be no people, right? Yeah. And I'm like, we're sacred. We are, we should be honored in that, you know, and so Yoga Goddess for me is really about the honoring of the divine feminine through our wombs and our menstrual cycles, Um and and that we're bringing in babies now into the world with a different kind of consciousness. And so, um, and now, you know, more and more young women are also keen to learn this wisdom. So um, I'm really excited to see where, where things go from here. Yeah, do you have a sense of where that's coming from, where the younger generations, because I'm also seeing it, and it's part of what I'm trying to create. I'm just wondering, even like the 20-year-olds, there seems to be this big thing around that age group. A young 20 year olds and I'm wondering like where is that coming from I love it <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah well I mean I think we all have a, a direct line to the divine feminine mm-hmm. and um, I think that if the the feminine is speaking to you and you're receptive like it's all about receptivity yeah. right mm-hmm. um, the feminine is is about being in that open spacious allowing receiving um flow of energy and it's all there for us to receive but it's how tuned in are we how much chatter do we have inside of our own minds that is blocking that and my sense is like that for whatever reason women are looking up at the sky and seeing the moon and noticing that their period is happening the same time as the full moon. That's how a lot of women find me. Yeah. And they make that correlation and they say, well, that's weird. Every time the full moon is, I see the full moon in the sky, I'm bleeding. What does that mean? Yeah. So there is some, you know, rising awareness of seeing that connection with the moon and our cycle. I think that's what started it a few years back. Um, But I think, you know, we're also a lot more, I feel like, holistically minded now than we were, you know, 10 or 12 years ago when maybe more of us were on the fringe. But I feel like using uh, menstrual cups is becoming more common. Um, 
the whole idea of being eco-conscious, so not like putting a ton of tampons and pads into landfill, so, you know, reusing menstrual products like Luna pads and period underwear, um, the whole idea of like yoni eggs and yeah. red tents, right? Like yeah. there's just so much more conversation now, I think, than there was before. Yeah, definitely. 100%. And it makes me, it makes me really happy. It's yeah. like when, when I first went to midwifery school, oh man, a long time ago, a couple decades ago, yeah. um, I went to school in New Zealand to be a midwife. And wow. I, when I told people in America what I was doing, they were like, what's a midwife? Yeah. And, <laughs> and now, of course, no, I don't feel like very few people would say what's a midwife nowadays. But the conversation just just shifts, right? The cultural conversation it shifts, and I'm I'm so happy that it's shifting around something so many of us have. Like we all have periods, or most of us do, and it needs to be not something that we're embarrassed about, or exactly. that we can have that conversation. And I I do believe that it does lead to like you said, you know, when you work with people with infertility, it does lead to greater fertility. It does lead to greater connection. Um, and it does lead to greater understanding of your needs. And like you said, one thing you talked about was communicating with your partner. I mean, a lot of women say, especially in relation to perimenopause, well, do I need to tell my husband all these things are happening? And like, I'm not just a quote unquote crazy lady. Mm. Yes, you do. You need to tell your partner what this stage of your life is feeling like, what it does to your brain what are you what your needs are how your needs are shifting like there needs to be conversation like you can take up space right um yeah and i also love i'm i'm, I'm not sure if this is part of your work too julie but i love that we can also map a woman's life cycle to the season yeah so yep. you know in fact perimenopause is coming into your power mm-hmm. um, and so if you can harness that sense of like um if this is really life is giving you an opportunity to get really clear about who you are now and what's important to you and how you want to show up in the world in your relationships with others but most importantly in your relationship with yourself um i feel like it can give us such a, a more empowered place and perspective Um, And that's really what I find more and more that I hear from the people who work with, you know, my programs, whether it's charting your cycle with the moon. So I have a moon charting mastery program, the people who just want to chart, and then women who are doing the more, um, you know, the yoga part too, so the moon goddess yoga program, um, that it's the empowerment and the Mm self-love are the two big outcomes and then, yes, you know, you might, for a lot of women who are trying to conceive, I see a very high success rate, uh, you know, about 50% of the women that use Moon Goddess become pregnant, even after, like, uh, several years, like three or four average years of infertility and tens of thousands of dollars spent on infertility treatment. Mm-hmm. So many women end up getting pregnant naturally because they are having this conversation with their bodies. And the body goes, oh, you care? 
uh, about me, so let me reciprocate. Like it's like any other relationship. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'll care about you if you care about me. Mm-hmm. I'll listen to you. You listen to me. And to, to let them know the language, right? Because I think that yeah. for a lot of women, it's like, well, I don't understand the language that my body's speaking. It just seems like it's spewing hate, right? The kind yeah. of headaches, the this, the that. Like, that's a conversation. It's trying to have a conversation. Like, yeah. You just have to learn the language. I love that. Yeah. And this is the like the easiest language to learn because it's it's right there in your cycle and yeah. it has so much information to share with you. It does. Great. Well, it has been amazing speaking to you. Um, and I'm going to put down in the links below at the end of this podcast all of the ways that people can get in touch with you and can follow your work. Um, and join into your programs. So thank you so much for speaking to thank me. Thank you. Thank you so much, Julie. It's really a pleasure to get to know you and to chat with you um, and to celebrate cycles with you <laughs> as well. Awesome.